singing songs in church that just take me somewhere. And every week when we come to this church, our amazing team does lead us very well. What a great song. There's victory. You know, there's a whole lot of things on my heart this morning that I want to share, but the sentiment of that song is a great launching pad for where this message is going to go. If I look around this room, I see people, men and women. I recognise you as human beings. Pretty smart, eh? But I want to I want to drill into some of that, uh, where I'm going with this thought this morning. But I actually don't have a clue just how unique you are. There's nobody else in the universe who is exactly the same as you. Even those people who are born as twins and biological, identical twins, they're just, they're not exactly the same person. And I look around and I think, you are unique. God's creation. And so just hold that thought for a minute. Then I thought about um, renting motor vehicles, hire cars. Just, just bear with me, these things are connected. When I hire a motor vehicle, and we go overseas and we, we do that regularly, and when I get into that car, they're usually fairly new, the ones that I rent. And when I get into that car, I treat it like I own it. But as a rental, I don't own it, it's somebody else's car. But I get really narky if some idiot opens their door on it like it's my own. I treat it like it's my own. I don't thrash the guts out of it. I don't drive like it's got no future. I know some people do do that to rental cars. and I've probably driven them after they've done that and they can be an interesting experience. For example, I got accused of wrecking the mad wheels of a vehicle in Austria once and I said, well, they were like that when I got it. And they had a bit of an argument with the guy and eventually he believed me and we sorted all that out. But the previous person had smashed the mad wheels up on the curb. And so I, don't, I try not to do that because it doesn't worry me whether it's mine or not if I want to look after it. That is how we as Christians, and I hope other people do as well, but we all the people on the planet need to treat each other. I don't own any of you. You don't own me. I'm not yours. I'm his. But sometimes we treat each other like we own you. No, no, he does. He does. And don't don't treat each other like some people treat hire cars. Treat each other like as if I did own you. In other words, you're precious to me. In other words, I make sure you're looked after. In other words, it's up as much as it's up to me. I value you immensely. That's some of the sentiment of this message. God values you way more than I could ever value you. And I don't always get this right, but I want to encourage you this morning to think about, are you a person who hire, or drives hire cars and wrecks them or looks after them? What about your own car? Do you just drive it till it drops dead? Or do you go, it gets serviced regularly, you check the tyres, you do all this sort of stuff. No hand going up here for this one. It's like, <laughs> let me pray before we sit down. Heavenly Father, today I pray you would capture our thoughts, capture our hearts, capture our souls, Lord, with a revelation about how important your projects are in us. Lord, you fashioned every one of our lives to mean something for the kingdom of God. Every one of us is a unique person. Every one of us has got a unique 
gift and ability and presence to bring into the kingdom of God because we're alive in 2020. We didn't get to influence 1950 or 1910 or 1860. Lord, we get to influence 2020 right now, this present time. And I pray, Lord, your spirit would move over us this morning to give us a fresh sense of revelation of just how important this season is, how important we are to you, Lord, in presenting Christ to the world. And so I pray, Father, for just amazing things to pop into our hearts this morning during this time. We pray for healing, we pray for miracles, we pray for all sorts of incredibly impossible over-the-top things that Kirby mentioned that you'll do way more than I could even ask or imagine right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, virtually tap your, tap your neighbour and say, this is going to be good and have a seat. Virtual tap only. Okay. Gotcha. Awesome. I'm looking around. We've got a new arrival that we didn't acknowledge the first day she was here. Where is this new person? That... Where's Rebecca? I can't. Even... Oh, she's in the crash. Rebecca, welcome to church. Paul and Rachel, we give you a big welcome. Fantastic. Okay, did I say you can go? Yes, I did. What are you doing there still? What? Not that I don't value anything, but it's like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh, dear. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Pastor Bruce, and Julie, my wife, and I are the senior pastors of our beautiful church's locations. Um, had a really exciting night, as Kirby mentioned last night, where we launched uh, and advised that we've got a third location starting in 2021, where the fabulous couple who are shifting over from Sydney that we've got to know and come to love over the years. So we just want to show you that for those of you that couldn't come last night, we want to just show you a little video clip that they sent to introduce themselves. Hey guys, so excited to be with you here tonight at the We Are Gathering. I'm Nick. I'm Stacey LaGreca and we are coming to you all the way from Sydney. Yeah, quite literally, we are coming yeah. to you. We We're going be. to make Adelaide our home from now on, which is awesome. We're going to bring our little family, We've got Carter, who's 11, and Briley, who's seven. And uh, that's looking so looking forward to it. Carter's a little unsure whether he's going to go for the crows, but he's we're so excited. Uh, it's been a long journey for us, hey babe. It has yeah. seventeen year journey actually. Um, I can remember having the conversation in the car when we were just friends, and we were talking about our dreams, the things that God has put in our heart, and yeah. that for both of us individually, it was um, planning a church, mm. and it was pretty amazing. Yeah, and um, we'd let the seed die far too many times totally to remember. Not. To the point where we were like, eh, never doing that ever. Um, but last year, God started really speaking to both of us individually. Yeah. And so um, your beautiful pastors, Pastor Bruce and Julie, were getting a prophecy at National Conference. And uh, over the years, we've become great friends. And uh, they were getting prophecy saying, you're going to plant another location. And even though you don't have any more children to do that, you're going to do it. <laughs> and um, I felt God speak to me just yeah. then at that moment. And God's kind of like... That's you. And I tried to hide it from John and Simon and Michael and uh, <laughs> didn't want to let them know that God was speaking to me. But they all said it. They did. They did. They all like, texted me you. immediately. It's and they, none of them were sitting with us. No, they were all separated. Anyway, so uh, I went down on a holiday just to hang out, play golf, enjoy the beautiful wine and the hills. And it was amazing. And God, I was sitting in a cafe in uh, Henley Beach and God says, this is it. And immediately I thought of the Home Alone movie. Uh, where he says, this is it, don't get scared now. And uh, so I went home ridiculously scared um, because we felt God, well, I did, 
Yeah, Felt God yeah. call us to plan a location from scratch. Mm. So, but you weren't so convinced, were you? No, I actually said no to you in the start. I was like, eh, God, I need to hear from God because my whole thing is, if one can, if one man can convince you into it, one man can convince you out of it. And so, I'm pretty convincing though. I know you oh, yeah. are, yeah, but I'm like, yeah. I just need to hear from God. Yeah. And so I went on the journey, and He was very clear with me that it was Adelaide and that we were going to plan a church. And so I'm all in. I we are all up for it. Yeah. We cannot wait. Yeah. to move to Adelaide. And so we're looking forward to being a part of C3 Adelaide Hills as a location in the yeah. western suburbs, so whatever we land on, uh, wherever we land up being. It's going to be amazing. We're looking forward to it. We're so thankful for you guys partnering with the vision uh, to see Adelaide and all its people get to know Jesus. And uh, we're excited. Wish we could be there. Oh. But, I mean, the border has only just opened, yeah. so we are pumped. Yeah. We'll so be we'll down be there shortly. Really soon. And we look forward to uh, saying hi and uh, giving you one of those COVID elbows. And uh, but we love you guys. We're so <laughs> thankful for you. Have a, an extremely great night and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, come on. They're the neatest young couple. And uh, I've got to say that I've observed during my life that God does knit our hearts to particular people for particular purposes. Part of that dynamic is what happens in a church congregation. We actually have our hearts knitted together according to the purpose of God. It's not romance. It's not anything carnal. It's actually a spiritual knitting of our hearts together that um, makes it possible for God to do the impossible in our midst. We see lives change. We see people's futures change. The trajectory trajectory of lives of lives just shifted to another dimension because of the incredible working power of God and so uh, Nick and Stacy are as I said neat we love them to bits we've kind of adopted them into our family they talk as if they're one of our kids and respective spouses and uh, we're looking forward to because of them being closer to us them becoming even more closely connected to us literally as well so great days ahead so one church in three locations in 2021 how amazing is that hey that's pretty exciting that's very good uh, last night also we announced that uh, uh, the key leaders and board had pre-committed through our build to reach offering which was what last night was about to actually pay the last $25,000 of our mortgage off. And so as of next week sometime, this place is completely um, freehold. We own it. How cool is that? That's pretty amazing. And at the moment, our Build to Reach uh, commitment and offering from last night's sitting at just under $60,000, which is an amazing uh, effort. Good on you, congratulations, fantastic. It's very good. It's never too late to get involved with Build to Reach. There's envelopes out in the foyer. There's a little mailbox next to the red pillar out there if you'd like to think about and or you were doing something about joining with us for Build to Reach this year but didn't contribute or haven't let us know what that was going to be, fill out one of these forms today and drop it in the box and we'll add your um, beautiful sacrificial giving to the purpose of God to the rest of what's already been committed. I'm excited. You excited? Good. Just look that way for a moment. Look over that way into the middle wall over here. Not looking at you, Sylvia, we're looking at the row behind. Just give the Cookle family a little wave, or the part that's here. Jason, Catherine, uh, Jordan, and Hayden uh, are here this morning without Mitchell because Mitchell and Michaela, brand new daughter in law, got married on Friday. Great occasion. Very good. We celebrate that. You got no idea how much of a miracle working God is until you got to that, that wedding on Friday. Hailstorms, you name it, rain all week, hailstones. It was a garden wedding at Allgate. 
And no kidding, the wedding was at one o'clock, I reckon about five to one. The clouds rolled away, the sun came out, Simon, our son, conducted the wedding. Uh, Michaela and Mitchell obviously got married, that was more important. Um, And at the very end of the ceremony, just as they were about to walk off to sign the paperwork, there was a very little, a few sprinkles of hailstones, but they stopped and everyone got back inside the house at Stangate House and it was like, that was a miracle. And so just so thankful and so grateful and rejoicing with you, Jason and Catherine, at having a new member in your family. That's pretty exciting as well. All right, I think I've said enough to take most of my sermon time up. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, dear. Let me um, just get my thoughts back together. Do you know one of the things I love to do in life is finish things? Um, Part of the... One of the the known quandaries for being a pastor is there's lots of things that you do that never end. There's just a lot of get to the end of the day. What did you do today? Well, I couldn't really tell you. It's like um, I could tell you stuff, but it wasn't anything that finished. Um, But we're in the story of Nehemiah this month, as you may recall, around the whole thing to do with build to reach. And this morning we're looking at Nehemiah chapter six and a little bit of chapter seven. And we've got this beautiful verse in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, which I love this verse. I've decided I love it. I love it, I love it, because it says, So the wall was completed. Say completed. A massive project to rebuild a wall by hand. I said last week, I think some scholars um, and archaeological excavations have shown that this particular wall was up to 20 feet thick in some places. So that, that is a massively thick wall. It's a wall to fortify a city, and it was built by hand. It wasn't built with cranes and uh, like uh, hydraulic lifters and stuff. It was built by hand a long, long time ago. But the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. Well, that's a pretty short timeline to have the incredible capacity to complete a wall. But in verse 16, it goes on to say, When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. I want to say some of the heart of what I was saying before about your unique uniqueness is that The work that's been going on in your life through your friendships, through your Christian friends, through the way you were brought up, maybe the way you were brought up was a bit of a mess and not so Christian. It doesn't matter what the context was or how that all happened. I'd want you to hear this. God was building you. He wasn't just disinterested or not there, even though at times for some people's journey is where were you, God, because I was in danger, I was um, abused, I was... X, Y, Z. It's like, where was God? I want to encourage you to believe no matter what that journey looks like, God was building with you. And these enemies of this particular um, part of Israel's history realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Our God has been at work in your life. Our God's been at work in my life. We sing a song here, he never stops working. So even when I don't feel it, he's working. That's the kind of sentiment it is. God is working in your life. If I looked at every one of you around this room this morning and had a chance to just drill into this, what I'm trying to say, don't you doubt for one moment our God has been working in our lives, even when we've been unaware of it, because he's got something that he wants us to do. He wants us to reflect his glory. He wants us to actually display his splendor to the world. Sadly, I've let the team down on occasions. Sadly, what the world sees is Bruce when they should be seeing Jesus. 
They should be hearing love, not condemnation. They should be hearing praise, not complaint. They should be hearing it's all going to work out, not oh, we're, we're doomed. It, it, it should. We haven't got enough money. We've got plenty. We've got everything we need. What's the soundtrack coming out of my mouth? Sometimes, sadly, it's not what God's building me for. He wants me to be the person who brings hope into the hopeless situations. He's the one who wants me to embrace people, I'm not allowed to at the moment, but embrace people who actually feel like they're not worthy to ever be embraced. Some people feel so filthy on the inside with shame and guilt. They, they reject everybody and every approach to help them, but God loves them. Yeah. We've got a mission, people to actually get into the world of people who are, let's just say, they know they're rejected because most people reject them. We're not of that crew, are we? Sometimes, sadly, we are. Sometimes we get caught up in, the, in all the riffraff and all the media-driven levels of division and hatred. That's not the gospel. The gospel is love. The gospel is tolerance is a very misused word. God doesn't tolerate sin. He forgives sin. He's a redeeming God. He's a God who actually reaches into your life and pulls you out of the, the darkness and puts you on solid ground in the light. So the war was completed. Is there anything you finished this week? Have you had a celebration? Like we had some, well, they weren't party poppers. We got confetti everywhere here last night because we celebrated, yahoo, because we've completed paying for our building. It's finished. It's done. We don't have to give Westpac Bank another dollar of interest. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's like, awesome. It's like, that's a great feeling. But I want to encourage you, look for those things that you've completed in your life and celebrate them. What is it that you've done? And you go, God's been at work. We didn't pay the building off because, um, and only because of generosity. It's obviously the massive part of the mix. I want to say to you, we've got to where we are because of the miracle working power of God in the life of every person who's stepped out and said, here, God, do this with my money. And they just, psh, people, go back to the start of the process. So our mortgage when we bought the place was 400 and we went to the bank and we stuffed up the purchase, just a little heads, heads up here, Forgot to account for the fact that we're a registered GST corporation and we had to pay GST on the contract price of the building, which happened to be about $60,000. And we didn't have it. So I went to the bank and said, oh, we've got this. You've agreed to give us that, but we forgot your GST. And just like cap in hand to the bank manager. And guess what? They said, oh, we'll lend it to you for the next quarter until you get your GST like back statement back in and it's like... Look over that. Like, miracle. We're a, we're a church. We've only been around, at that stage, we've only been around for like nine years. We had, all we had was the money in the bank for the deposit for the building and, and, and a history of giving, and that was it. And people said, oh, banks won't lend you money. They won't do this. They won't do that. But Carol can tell you that. She was running our book department back, as in books, bookkeeping back then. And oh, man, we had some interesting challenges. I'm telling you that detail because God has faithfully woven a path for us in this building for 16 years, but this church for nearly 25 years. Not so we can get up here and go, ooh, look at us, we've got to 25 years. He's doing it because he's got a job for us to do. We've got a city to change. We've got lives to interact with. We've got friends who don't know Jesus. And my point this morning is when he's completing bits and pieces of his work in you, you're ready for the next project. You're ready for the next person to meet. You're ready for the next conversation with someone who maybe has been asking you questions already or just seems inquisitive about you or something about you. Don't, 
minimise a person's curiosity about you. Don't misread it as, as flirting with you or maybe they're interested in you for a relationship. That might be the case if you're single, I don't know. But, um, uh, and it's a problem if you're married, but it's... Uh, <laughs> It's like, but what I'm saying is, read the signs and make them what they're meant to be. They're meant to be, maybe they're meant to be conversational moments where you get a chance to say, you know what, I've kind of got a view on that particular matter that involves what I believe about God. Do you want to hear about it? Some people say, not interested. At least you've tried. Or some people say, yeah, so what does that mean? And you can open up a conversation if you're not sure how to do that, can I encourage you to make it your business over the next 12 months to drill down into your world within your connect group, relationally, and ask your connect group friends to pray for you specifically so that you can actually make a connection with someone who doesn't actually know the love of God yet personally. I'm convinced that as we focus our attention in this arena a little more intentionally, God is going to open up phenomenal doors and people will get saved people will find Jesus it's exciting right this isn't even my message but it it might be Um, I'll give you three quick points because it's already nearly 11 o'clock okay so what am I trying to say here let me read the rest of the scriptures I got for you this morning we're in Nehemiah chapter 7 verses 1 through 3 reading from the NIV after the wall had been rebuilt and I'd set its doors in place the gatekeepers the musicians and the Levites were appointed I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some of the, at their posts and some near their own houses. So what I've said this morning is the second part of last week's message, you keep on keeping on. There's a sense in which when we get to a place where we are aware that God's, let's just say, com- completed a step in our life. This wall completion is a step in the history of a nation. There's completion steps in all our lives. But I want to say to you, whatever that might be, that what we build, we look after. What we rent, we look after. What we own, we look after. What God's built, we look after. We value it. Not to worship it, but we value it because it's got a value in the sense of what God can do with it. Some people and some Christians are very anti-buildings. You don't need buildings. You don't need any, you don't need any of that stuff. Just give all your money to the poor and do all this stuff. i got to say, I'm a local church guy. I believe us gathering and us owning property um, around the world, churches collectively, not dead churches with nobody in. I'm talking about a worshipping congregation within the context of a building that is part of who they are. We impact our community. We rented a hall years and years at Nan. I've got to tell you that the community just treats you as a, just a casual tenant in a building. You're just a hall renter. There's, there's no sense of you belong in our community. As soon as we bought this building... That changed something in the Main Street of Harndorf. People said, what? Churches bought the old chocolate factory. Whoa, what's going on there? You know, it was a psychic fair. You know, they used to have tarot card reading in there. And that's a really dark place. Why would we to put a church in that? Because pff, you can't put the light of Jesus out. That's why. Like, oh, you know, I've, I never, I've never felt a bad vibe in here since we've been here. 
It's been awesome. You know, we've told the story before under this carpet down here, right across the front before we laid the carpet. Actually, it might be under the stage. I can't remember because it's going back a while. We had a, just a service of worship and we got oil. Consecrated oil and poured it on the concrete. Not poured, but we just drizzled it on the concrete and dedicated this space to holy stuff. To God in this space, in this building, just down here. Lord, we want miracles to happen. We want eyes open. We want people to get out of debt. We want people to get out of problems. We want marriages to be restored. We want people who are contemplating ending their life to come down here and go, you know what? I've just discovered somebody loves me. I'm not going anywhere except when God says. We've had people weeping on this altar. We've had people pouring their heart out. We've had people have just received what they needed. They had words of prophecy come over them because God loves local churches who love him. And so our next season's going to be awesome, guys. i got to tell you, I was like Pastor Phil's prophecy last year, or Pastor John, I can't remember who it was. But I've got to say, when I got to 60, I thought, I reckon it's about time to just take the foot off the pedal. I mean, the foot off the metal. And uh, just back off a bit and just, you know, just cruise quietly into retirement, whatever that is, and, and just cruise into doing less and whatever that is. And um, God said, nah. In fact, I think I've shared the story about nearly having a head-on crash on the hay plane, right? Sometime when I was an idiot trying to pass a road train on the wrong side of the road, nearly got us both killed driving home from Sydney one year. And in the slow motion of missing the car coming towards us, um, God said to me, it's not time for you to die yet. And I thought, I was, I was relieved to hear that. But that was, that was like a long conversation in the split second it takes for two cars doing 120 plus Columbus prayer going opposite directions to part company alongside a road train and not collide head on. And it would all have been my fault. And that really, really rattled my world. I was a mess for weeks after that near miss. I don't know what happened to the poor soul that missed going the other way, but um, yeah, yeah, I do feel very, very sorry for them because I still see their eyes popping out of their head. He looked at me and I looked at him and I thought, oh gosh. And uh, anyway, we avoided each other, which was very nice. Um, I, I tell you that because alongside the terror that that moment instilled in me uh, to not be stupid on the road, uh, in a split second mistake, I got this sense God's not finished with me. There's actually stuff he wants me to do. I don't know what he needs to get you to do or what opportunity in your life he's going to use to say, you're not finished yet. Marlene, you're not finished yet. Les, you're not finished yet. Work to do. Amen? There's work to do, Mandy. Like some people want to keep, you know, I'm not, that, that was just Mandy. Full stop, moving on to generalisation, okay? <laughs> uh, just so we're clear. Um, some, some people um, just, they give up. We don't give up. Do we? I'll admit I have given up on occasions, but let's not be those who give up. We look after what we build. So the first thing, my first point is, from verse 16, the work that whatever's been done in your life that's of value has had the help of God. God's helped you. God's helped us. He's helped you and me come together in this congregation, this church. If you're a new person that's, that's joined us lately, God's knitting our hearts and our futures together according to his purpose. Like, we love people to come and check our church out. I know that with being online at the moment, there's a lot more people who can just have a look, see whether there's anything about what we do that, that they might like or think, hmm, that kind of looks like it might be a place we could fit. It's like, 
I'm, and I'm cool with that, but what I love to happen is that we actually then realize that, no, but God's up to something. God's up to knitting people together so for a purpose according to his will and purpose. Uh, so we've got to where we have with the help of God, amen? Second thing in this set set of scriptures is the gatekeepers and musicians and Levites come onto the scene. Uh, that can be in two contexts very quickly looked at this way. Number one, in a church congregation, the gatekeepers are leaders who keep a watch over us. What's allowed in, what we do, what we don't do. Let's just call it wisdom. There's, there's, there's a, a gate of wisdom that's within the context of a church. The musicians, they've just left the stage. They're most amazing contributors to the health of our church, to the focus of our attention, to the wellness of our souls. They help us to just touch heaven every week, and our guys do a great job. And then the Levites in this story, the pastors and leaders whose main job is to turn our attention to see God in all things. My job is, as preaching like this morning, is to, to direct your attention to God. God's got you in his sights. He wants you to be part of his team on planet Earth. Not a spectator, not a criticizer, but a team member. A player on the field, someone who's involved. Pastors and leaders' jobs in churches is to help us all gather around that particular cause. But at a personal level, the New Testament shifts us from a picture of a building temple to my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, wants to live in you. You. Does he, is he sure he's got this right? He wants to live in you. Even more so, am I sure he's got that right? He wants to live in me. In fact, he does live in me. I know that by faith he lives in me. So within our lives, the same template applies. The gatekeepers, what do you have in place to regulate or discipline your life and walk with God? What sorts of things have you put up as gates? Things you will and will not do that keep you on track with the purpose of God? Just a quick question to ask you. Second thing was, is, is there a song of praise in your heart? Is there a, a center of worship emanating out of your life? Because if there isn't, there can be. God wants you to be a praiser and a worshiper of him. Not a complainer and a watcher of all the doom and gloom. And there's plenty of it. There's so much media attention on doom and gloom. Come to God and get pictures of good things. Great outcomes, beautiful people, fantastic people doing great things on the planet. There are awesome people on this planet. There are awesome people in our community. And we should be part of that crew. Not always good at it, but we can be better at it. And I think we are pretty good at it. So not to be critical, I'm not trying to be critical, I'm trying to, to spur you on. There's always more. There's always the impact of God coming through our lives. But what's playing in your heart? If you've got a bit of a mixed sort of sound, what's the thing you call song playlist in your life? There's nothing wrong with deleting songs. That My playlist gets regularly ed edited. Occasionally I get to a song that's like, I'm over that song, it's gone. Um, and then sometimes I think, oh, I wouldn't mind listening to that song again, and I'll put it back on. But it's usually it's gone, it's gone. But maybe there's a soundtrack in here that needs to get wiped. Maybe it was something that was said when you were a teenager. Oh, you know, you got buck teeth, you got, you got a, whatever, you just, you're a loser, you smell, or, um, yeah, anyway. It's just, we've all got a journey of rejection. And sometimes that's a wound that sits in us. Let's just turn that over to God, get healed.
And then the Levites, who or what directs or redirects your attention to God? Be teachable, that people help you. And then my third last point today is this. Strange little bit of information the MI gives. The gates are not to be opened until the sun is hot. What is that about? And this is my take on that. This is not a um, sort of researching a theological or biblical commentary to get these lines of thinking. But I reckon it's about only functioning when you know the sun, S-O-N sun, the son of God, has filled you. Don't operate in the dark without him. Operate in the light because he is the light of the world. He's the light of our life. When the sun is hot, open the gates. So it's like you can take risks when the sun's on inside. It's not, I don't mean risky business stupid, but I mean it's like there's things that need to be dealt with that only should be dealt with when you know you're filled. And so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 20, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. There's that sense of just step out when you know you're full of Him. Okay, and then um, finally, oh, the other thought I had was this. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Make sure you're filled with the Spirit. Make sure there's the light of Christ on the inside. Um, So we have been built to stand strong in the Lord and to bring glory to his name. As we build to reach the world, my prayer is that we do it in this fashion. Let's just stand to our feet. Thanks, guys. Glad you came and joined me. Very good. Why don't you just, uh, as you stand, if you're comfortable, I'd love you just to close your eyes for a minute. You know, praying with your eyes open is not going to send you into the wrong direction or cause anything to happen, like a lightning bolt or anything. Just prayer is meant to be a conversation with God. And because I'm a human being with eyes, I can be easily distracted by what I see. So the invitation to close eyes is not kind of like conforming to the rules about prayer. It's just a little bit of a heads up about minimising distractions. So just try to clear every distraction out of your thought process now. So it's not only closing your eyes, it's kind of like switch off your imagination. Don't think about lunch or coffee in five minutes' time or what you can do this afternoon. Just clear the slate. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that each one of us, right at this moment in time, would have an encounter where we realise you have been building us, growing us, strengthening us, knitting us together for your eternal purpose. I pray your blessing over this congregation of people this morning as a gathered people that we'd understand our collective purpose. And Father, I pray for us as individuals who have the temple of the Holy Spirit within. Father, that we would be ever mindful of your goodness, that we become more aware 
of your desire for us to serve you with clean hands and a pure heart. So breath of life, breathe on us today. In Jesus' wonderful name.